Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 133 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you at Rogers Place. The Oilers admits the stretch where they've got six consecutive games against teams that had 100-plus points. Edmonton 3-3-1. This uh, sequencing of games began with a come-from-behind victory against Winnipeg. Edmonton beat Boston, uh, got shut up by Nashville 3-0, played a uh, beauty of a game against Pittsburgh, high-scoring thriller, lost 6-5 on a brilliant effort by Sidney Crosby. We are going to bring aboard Brian Burke as the Washington Capitals are in town. Uh, Brian's appearance is brought to you by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Brian, it's Bob. How are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. How was Winnipeg last night? It was exciting. It was good. I mean, the game was kind of slow till early in the third. The Jets made a little bit of a run, but uh, the atmosphere was great. It always is in Winnipeg, as you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, it's interesting, uh, Brian. A, a year ago uh, in the fall, we were in Penticton. Now Winnipeg had already done these, made these moves, but they put the announcement out that they were extending Kevin Chevelday off in Paul Maurice at that time. There was a fair amount of criticism in the hockey world. Uh, they stuck to their guns. They made one significant trade, and that was the Kane deal. Uh, in which they got back more than an asset or two because they got Myers, but they also got Brendan Lemieux as well in that deal. But they have really been slow and steady in building and developing their program there in Winnipeg. I'd like your assessment on where they're at as an organization. Well, I think they're the, the best team in Canada, in my opinion. And I know Maple Leafs fans will start screaming, but I don't really care. Um, I think they're better... The Leafs are better down the middle. I think uh, Winnipeg are a deeper team and certainly deeper on the blue line. Uh, that being said, I don't think Winnipeg has played up to its potential yet. I don't think we've seen their A game for even 60 minutes, and they've even admitted that, the players have. So I think what they did, they missed the playoffs four straight years, extended the coach, extended the GM. I think it shows the patience that ownership has. And um, I think it's commendable. They're, Kevin Shoveldout's a great guy and has done a really nice job. Ten draft picks of his are on that team, which is high for um, very few teams have half their team guys that they drafted. And uh, I think the coach has done a good job with this group, so good on them all. Yeah, that's a, I mean, and patience is an important thing, and that's where we're going to go next. Uh, there are several young players in the league struggling. Uh, Paul Yarvey is not going to play tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. If he was in the lineup, uh, that would have meant that Edmonton would have had eight first-round draft choices that were drafted by the Oilers in the lineup. Um, Anthony Mantha's minus 12 in Detroit through nine games. Burakovsky for Washington, he's a 24-year-old, 23 turning 24. He doesn't have a point in eight games. He's on the fourth line. He's minus seven. Uh You've been in that seat where you're waiting for a guy to develop. How challenging is that for management when you're watching young guys go through struggle? And remember, Paul Yarby's only 20. Well, yeah, and, and mind you, it's it's fine. Burakowski, his team's winning. 
So no one, no one, no one's screaming bloody murder. The issue is when your kids aren't performing and your team is playing horribly. So an Anthony Mantha, a Puglia Garvey, although the Oilers are awful, but they've struggled a bit. He's not contributing. That's when people start throwing rocks. But you know, I just say remember Henrik Sedin. He didn't put up any meaningful numbers till his fourth year after he was drafted. Remember Daniel Sedin, same thing. Remember Marcus Nasland. So you got to be careful. Some of these guys, we call it popping. When a guy pops, when he finally makes it and shows what he can do. And I can tell you, it's very fashionable to criticize the Edmonton Oilers and say, Pooley Arby's a bad pick. We all had him there. We all loved him. <laughs> we all think he's, he's going to be a player. I saw him play last year in Bakersfield. Peter Shirelli and I sat together at the game. And he was awful the first night. I watched him. I don't think he touched the puck. He fell down on a one-timer. Like, he missed a one-timer, a nice soft pass, missed it and fell down. Uh, next night I watched him, and actually uh, Reinhardt played a hell of a game that night. But I said to Peter, I said, be patient with this Pooley Arby. He's a little better the next night, but he was having trouble playing in the American Hockey League. This year he's made a step. He's a much better player than he was a year ago. you got to be patient. Now, the problem is, if you've got other guys you got to look at and you're not winning, then it's hard to be patient. Yeah. Brian Burke joining us. Brian, I am, and the, the listeners of the show get frustrated because, you know, I'm the guy, hey, just be patient, yada, yada, yada. And I, and in my mind, Paul Yarvey, there's been a drop-off since he played great in the third period in Winnipeg and that comeback a week ago, Tuesday. Like, the, the three games here in home ice, in my mind, has not been overly effective. Is there any issue with sitting him out for a game? Because he's getting... No. No issue whatsoever. He's a young kid. Listen, this is, it's not easy. Everyone thinks it's simple to take. Everyone thinks every player is like Connor McDavid, who's physically and mentally ready to make the jump right away, when in fact those guys are quite rare. There are guys who are physically ready to make the jump that have trouble with the expectations, have trouble with the demands. And, and by the way, as I said to you the first time I did this show, I, I don't work for the Edmonton Oilers. I don't draw a paycheck from them. Right. My, job, my job on this show is not to defend them. And believe me, when I take issue with something I do, I'll say it. But to me, this is, this is, they messed up a couple of draft picks. But I am telling you, the Calgary Flames had those guys in the exact same spots. Or close, you know, within one or two. We had Puglia We loved him. Absolutely loved him. So did every other team. So if the Edmonton Oilers blew that pick, uh, a lot of other teams would have done the same thing. Peter Shrelly got offers for that pick. So the other teams could leapfrog Edmonton and take Puglia So, again, I caution patience. The time will come when he doesn't make it or he does make it, and I'll say then, hey, they screwed up. They should have picked someone else, but we all had him there. I was laughing with Doug McLean. Remember Michelle Bear Brule that Columbus took so yeah, high? back in 2000, yeah, 05. Yeah. Yep. Guess where we had him? Exactly where they picked him. Exactly. Exactly. We watched the same player. We thought he was going to play right away. We loved him, and it didn't work out. So if Doug McLean isn't any good at his job, then neither am I because I had him exactly there. Brian, we had Gilbert Brule in Edmonton. His best year in the NHL was Pat Quinn's year that Pat quote. It was interesting because Pat met with uh, Gilbert and Dustin Penner that year at the start. And those guys were maligned already. Brule had already gone from being a prospect to a suspect, and Dustin Penner was completely misunderstood because he didn't always look, and I know we're going to go down the Penner train. I love Dustin Penner. He he, he was a less-is-more guy, 
and he was actually, you know what, people are like, ah, he, does, he doesn't engage enough. He stuck up and fought for his teammates all the time at Edmonton. He did. I saw he did it eight or ten times. Every time he fought in Edmonton, he fought when somebody else got cheap shotted on the ice. And he scored 93 goals in four years. That wasn't bad. But uh, a guy you respected well, Pat Quinn, he got a lot out of those two players, out of Gilbert Brule and Dustin Banner. Yeah, but I guess my point is, first off, it's not an exact science. I think I, I'm working on a book, and I think I, I looked four straight years in Vancouver where I didn't draft one player that played. Four straight years. And we had most of our picks, so it wasn't like we only had a couple picks. Where our scouting staff came up empty four years. Now we did some free agent signings that worked and other stuff, but it's not an exact science. And the, the people that throw the most rocks around the draft won't admit that they had guys right there. Like, we had Morgan Riley number one in his draft. Edmonton took now Yakupov. That was a mistake, no question about it. But I told Morgan Riley at the time, we had you number one. I said it right on TV. So we had you rated number one. And I, and I think he's the best player taken in that first round so far uh, in, in the draft. So, um, But I've made lots of mistakes, too, lots of mistakes. So it's, it's an inexact science, and you better not be too impatient because the best trade Pat Quinn ever made, and he made a ton of great trades, was when he got Marcus Naslin from Pittsburgh for Stoyan. Alex Stoyanov. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Oilers had a miss hit one year. I mean, they've had lots of miss hits, but 1990, they won the Cup. And at that time, they were, you know, first round, they were drafting 17th in 1990. They did not have one player. They drafted, I think, 10 guys in that draft year. Not one guy played one game in the NHL. It happens. That's all there is yeah. to it. Yep. It, 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 you know, now, unfortunately for the Oilers, there have been times uh, that uh, they missed on some second and third rounders, and that's why Shirelli was for. I, I do think Edmonton's got some support guys coming. It's just they're not quite ready for prime time, Brian, at this stage. Just want to mention right now, it's just come across the wire. The NHL has upheld Tom Wilson's 20-game uh, suspension. It stays at 20 games. You're in that role, too. That is a that, that's a that's You've been on both sides of that. Those are not easy debates, are they, and easy discussions? No, but the, the right of appeal is very different now than it was when I, uh, when I did this. The, you had a right of appeal to the commission, and that was it. Now... The next step in this process will be the NHLPA has the right to take this to a third-party arbitrator for an appeal. And my guess is if they have not filed that already, they'll have done it before close of business tonight. Okay. And they'll take it to the neutral third-party arbitrator. That's what they did with the Weidman suspension for colliding with the linesman, and they got it reduced from 20 to 10. So. Um, this is a, a feature I didn't have to deal with. So basically, you could appeal to the commissioner when I was, when I did it. So I was there from '93 uh, to '98. I never had one appeal. You know, I worked very closely with the players' association. But this one is a very severe penalty. Uh, this player clearly isn't getting the message. It, it's frankly, I said this on the radio before. It's more than I thought they were going to give him. But I thought he'd get 15. Yeah. I thought he'd get high double digits, mid double digits, 15, somewhere in there. Um, I have no problem with the 20 because they're clearly not getting through to this player with three and four game suspension. So, um, but we'll see now. We're joined by Brian Burke, longtime NHL executive. Brian, and you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, the orders were in on, and where I'm going with this is Wilson got himself a six-year extension, five-plus million. Now, he can really skate for a big man. And in today's NHL, you can skate. 
Were you with the Leafs when Toronto signed Clarkson? No. You were gone by that stage. Just no. the just the thought because Edmonton signed Milan Lucic to a you know a seven year deal at six million bucks. Clarkson got that long term deal. I'm just wondering whether or not uh, you know your sensitivity because you liked you know uh, pugnacious hard nosed hockey. Yeah. There's there's a shelf life for those bigger guys, and Wilson's a little different because of, of his ability to skate. But you know how concerning is it for NHL organizations to evaluate? Those guys that that play that style of game and make those sort of offers to players that are 28, 29, 30? Well, there, there's a couple issues. You're getting that. You raised a couple good points. One is how old, how, how effective are players beyond what age? And, and like, again, I watch all the Edmonton games I can get. I think Milan Lucic is playing really effectively right now. He's, so do I. He's, he's running people. He's getting scoring chances. He's not scoring. But he sure keeps it honest for for Connor McDavid and the other guys. Like he's 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 you know cartwheeling people. Nobody goes so, near him, Brian. No, there's no, and maybe that maybe it's also a little bit difference in the way the game's played. But you don't. Well, that and that's and that's what I was going to come back to is the the question is will the league allow guys like Luch, like Clarkson in his heyday? Uh, Tom Wilson's a little different because he's quite a bit younger. And he's got hands. He had a double-digit goals last year, and he can really skate and hit. He's a force. Yeah. He's a little different than those other guys. But um, that's the problem when you sign a David Backus or you sign a Milan Lucic, a guy at a certain age, Mark Giordano. That was, you know, that certainly was raised when we extended Mark Giordano. The question is, how much longer can they be effective? In Giordano's case. I mean, he's he's a physical specimen like I've almost never had. He's a gym rat. We think he'll be able to maybe even sign another contract after this one. But that's that is an issue, and the issue is too is the league going to allow? We're gradually taking hitting and fighting out of this game altogether, and I think that's a very dangerous and wrong development. I think Canadian fans still want contact. I think they still want hitting. I think they still want fighting. But uh, the question is, will they let these players play that game? Uh, certainly the team that I took to a cup in Anaheim would have trouble functioning in today's league. We'd be in for hearings all the time. You had the nastiest third line in the league, and they just, I mean, you crushed teams. You were eight years ahead of analytics with that team that you had in Anaheim at that yes. time. Because that third line, the, um, you know, Randy threw them out there in every situation. They tilted the ice every time they were on the ice. And Samuel Samuel Paulson, uh, I remember, remember what he did to Jared Stoll. I mean, he oh, yeah. knocked, he knocked him in the next week. He had hey, a... Samuel Paulson's the toughest sweet I ever met. I, I used to tell the team this. Sammy's problem is he thinks he's from Red Deer. He doesn't think he's a sweet. And and him and Travis Mullen played left wing. Robbie Niedervara played right wing, and Samuel Paulson. And they five on five out. They were assigned the big shutdown job. Five on five, they outscored all the lines they're supposed to shut down. Zetterberg, Twins, whoever they played, they outscored them five on five. Amazing. Winnipeg's got a line like that right now with Lowry yep. and Tanev, right? That, that, yep. that, that line last year was the best possession line in the entire National Hockey League. Brian Burke joining us. Brian, I, I was the SID at the University of Alberta when Rob Dom was the head coach there and tried to appeal for fighting to be put back into Canadian University hockey, and McCowan was lightening him up at the time because he was sick of this, because Rob always had a highly skilled team and his teams were blowing teams out, 
and then it just it'd just be cheap, dirty stick work in the third period. And he's like, let's put fighting back in, and we'll recruit the best fighters to come here too. And you can imagine how that went over at play. Yeah, that, that probably went over really well. It went over. No, I'm not. And, and I, when I talk about this stuff, I don't feel I'm a dinosaur. You know, I can hear some people saying, "Oh, here he goes." His cup was 10 years ago. Why is he still talking about that? I don't think I'm a dinosaur. I listen to people. On the plane today, I talked to some people, fans, and they're saying that they, they lament the, the lack of hitting. Like, the game last night wasn't a very exciting game for two periods. Then Winnipeg scored a couple times, made it interesting. Good finish. Toronto responded. But very little hitting. No, no chance of a fight. I don't think another player even swore at another player last night. Right. And, and people on the plane commented on that to me. So I don't think I'm a dinosaur in this. I think we better be careful. If we get it down to where there's no hitting and no fighting, I think we're going to have a product that people are going to think about, think twice about watching. Brian, great stuff as always. Uh, we appreciate your time, and we'll hook up with you next Thursday, okay? Okay. Thanks, Bob. Take you care. You bet. Thanks a lot. That's Brian Burke from NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet. Uh, again, Brian's appearances on Oilers Now are brought to you by our friends at the Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service electrical prefabrication and solar it's 149 in edmonton when we come back uh we're going to get to uh, this day in order's history and some comments on from todd reardon um about uh you know todd mcclellan and the career paths and trajectory and that sort of thing because todd mcclellan coached todd reardon do you want to tell you royal pizza it's the best pizza in the city no question about it pizza past and so much more edmonton owned and operated for 49 years for uh for many locations visit royalpizza.ca and download the royal pizza app from the app store stop for recommendation of royal pizza mediterranean chicken this is oilers now Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. All right, we're going to save our uh, Todd Reardon clip, mainly because of my uh, inability to transfer a document. <laughs> Full disclosure, it's being too honest, but I'm telling you the truth here. Uh, Todd Reardon uh, will have some comments coming up for him tonight on the City Ford Face-Off show with Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels, Rob Brown, and myself. Hang on, Bob. I do. I just got it in the email. Do you okay. want to run it? Yeah, here's what we're going to do. You pull it up, on yeah. the, and I'm going to sit there and uh, do the liner here, and I'll do this day in Oilers history, okay? Perfect. Let's do it. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Book your winter group vacation package with New West Travel and receive free parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Go online at newwesttravel.com for all your vacation dreams. On this day, 1985, Wayne Gretzky had a goal and two assists. The Oilers beat the Flames 5-3, part of his record-setting. 215 point season. Here is Todd Reardon. Some uh, thoughts on uh, being coached by Todd McClellan and the role McClellan played in his coaching career. Dangerous, dangerous opponent, um, especially at home here, uh, as they have been in the past. It's uh, get a lot of energy from the crowd, and it's uh, it's a proud group. And um, you know, I think that uh, you know, just overall, just you see the improvement in, in their team five on five, but also special teams. You know, their power play being back to where where it was at a few years ago, and um, as it should be with the, the players that they have. So it's uh, a dangerous opponent, and one for us that we got to be ready right from the starter. It's going to be a long night. What was it, 14 years ago? Was that the first time where maybe coaching started entering? Uh, it was kind of the back nine of your career, Todd McClellan, and, and and maybe getting an opportunity to kind of, you know, do some video and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that was a, a big 
I'd say one of the, the indicators that uh, coaching was going to be something for me when I was with him in Houston. Um, and uh, he's uh, been a, a great mentor for me and, and someone that taught me quite a lot that year. Um, I met, maybe I should have uh, listened to him and started to stop playing. So uh, when, when the coach asked you to start cutting video, then maybe it's a good sign. That, maybe it's a good sign that you shouldn't be playing anymore. But uh, it was... Uh, Anyways, it was, a, it was an interesting one. Um, just I was injured, and we, it was a, a lockout strike year, and um, you know I had I'd been injured, and we we're short short staff, just two you know just two coaches at that time in the in the uh, IHL or American Hockey League. So um, he said, uh, you, "You seem to have a, a, a vision for this, and like working with young players." He's like, so "We're gonna have to call up a young guy from the East Coast League. I'd like you to kind of show him our systems and work with them." And and uh, like I said, I, I probably should have taken that note right then and, and uh, stopped playing, but I, I wanted to keep fighting it out. So, um, but uh, it, it was it was really good. I liked how he talked to me. Um, it's helped me. Uh, something I've used a lot with dealing with older players, veteran players, um, the way that he um, communicated with me, whether it was in the lineup, out of the lineup, you know, different situations. All right, uh, we'll have more with Todd Reardon tonight. That wraps up. The Thursday edition of Oilers Now will be back at, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Studio 99 tonight uh, for the City Forward Face-Off show. And that begins 5.30, puck drop at 7 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, Brendan Ulrich will be hosting Oilers Now. I'll be on the bird uh, flying down to Nashville with the Oilers. Elliot Friedman, uh, Ian Herbers will be a couple of our guests. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen and I and Andrew Gross. I'll rejoin you at uh, 5.30 from Studio 99. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.